always a lot to learn from every experience, whether it's a uh, professional experience, whether it's a, a personal experience that you had that maybe went south somewhere along the way. The fact of the matter is any sort of hardships, difficulties, uncomfortable spots you're able to work through shape you and empower you to be a stronger totally. person, totally. which will absolutely without question serve you unequivocally towards being the best version possible of yourself when you actually do get to the promised land of what it is you ultimately really want to do. Welcome back to the Director Vibe Podcast. I'm your host and Director of Vibes, Leslie Schultz. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Dion Pearson. He's a DJ, entrepreneur, professional snowboard instructor, and a fellow Law of Attraction enthusiast. One of the first times we worked together, Dion DJed a huge event in South Lake Tahoe that Encore's events used to produce. This event took place about one week before I was about to move my entire life from my hometown of South Lake Tahoe to Nashville, Tennessee. I didn't know anyone in Nashville. I didn't have a place to live or any work lined up. So most people I shared this new plan with thought I was a little crazy, but not Dion. He was massively supportive. And even though we barely knew each other, we ended up talking for hours about this big move. We talked a lot about the story you're about to hear and how trusting your inner guidance leads you to massive shifts to uplevel your life in crazy big ways. I'm so excited for you to get to know this badass human. Let's dive right into the good vibes. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, so of course the answer is multifaceted. So I am a professional snowboarding coach and instructor. I run a successful uh, DJ business. I also uh, have my own podcast, which is a music-based podcast for myself and guest DJs. On the creative side, there's two kind of sides of the DJing there. So I, I run one for my primary source of income, which is going to be client service-based for things like weddings, corporate, stuff like that. But I come from a background uh, since 1998. So 21 years I've been DJing um, across a variety of uh, formats. So I started off as a nightclub DJ. I wanted to be like a hip hop and house music guy. So I am and drum and bass. I am at heart. Um, and as I grew up, I collected vinyl records. I had turntables. I was quote-unquote classically trained as a DJ, where I actually know how to jockey discs, which is something of a lost art form these days. <laughs> totally. um, and, th and that's where I started in the music side. And I just basically, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I mean, I was a freshman in high school. I just wanted to become like a rock star DJ. And so I collected all these records and I worked at this really dope record store on Mill Avenue in Tempe, Arizona. For those of you familiar with Arizona, that's where Arizona State University is. And uh, when I was just like 19 years old, I actually got um, several different jobs. I had a job at Safeway bagging groceries as a first job. I was working at a vinyl record store and I was also working at a call center. So in the beginning of my endeavors of trying to make uh, the reality of becoming a DJ possible, of course, I had to support myself. What uh, And this is a young kid, 19 years old, just working his butt completely off because I was so hungry for being a DJ that I wanted to do anything it took to be able to make that happen, which at the time was being able to afford very expensive vinyl collection. <laughs> right. Uh, anybody <laughs> out there who purchases vinyl knows that vinyl is not cheap. Uh, it still isn't and never has been. So being a DJ was had a very kind of nasty barrier of entry back in the day. Yeah. Plus it was, um, it was technically very difficult to do, but I just basically did whatever jobs I could 
to uh, save up money to do that. And when I was working at that record store as a 19 year old kid on the side a couple days a week, that was like heaven. Like it wasn't a job. It was like, I get to be around vinyl and I get to like hang out with <laughs> 21 year old DJs and they're in nightclubs and, and I get to like rub elbows with these guys because it's like a networking thing. Yeah. You know, I, I was DJing in my bedroom all the time in my free time because I was obsessed. By the time I actually turned 21, it's, uh, you know, very hard to get your foot in the door because a lot of people want to be a DJ. You know, it's kind of a cool thing to do. Right. And I had already made connections with these guys because they're like, oh, yeah, that's the kid from the record store. All right. You've earned your stripes. We'll give you a shot. Right. So uh, my very first gigs I ever did publicly uh, as a vinyl DJ was at for again, those who've ever been down to Tempe, Arizona, this is a famous nightclub that no longer exists called Freedom. It used to be called Pompeii. This was a legendary, legendary nightclub that like the 90s rave scene. I mean, this place was basically Mecca. Okay. It was like it was, the it was, place to get a DJ gig if you're going to get uh, one. It, if you're going to get one, I mean, that was the coolest spot. I mean, they used to bring in like big, big names like Paul Oakenfold used to spin there all the time. Nice. And, and uh, Bad Boy Bill and Paul Van Dyke. And these are these were like big, huge dudes back in the day. Um, and just a bunch of other ones, DJ Dan and just just some really legendary guys across different genres. And that was my first my first gig is I already paid two years of dues just trying to sell these dudes vinyl records and kissing as much butt as I possibly could. <laughs> Um, nice. that was a really cool world to get to splash into. And I, I got to watch the absolute masters of their craft worldwide, uh, in my very formative early years of a DJ, um, the club eventually closed down and was torn down sadly. So it literally physically no longer even exists, but every old school raver in the nineties in Arizona has a place in their heart for it. And I started getting in gigs at at other venues around town and, and, uh, it didn't pay shit. It didn't pay shit. That's the thing. <laughs> but you guys. just loved like, it. So you just yeah. were doing what you loved. Like I would have almost paid to have done that. You know, <laughs> I, I really kind of would have like, it, it yeah. wasn't about like, Oh, I'm trying to make money. It's like, no, I've, I'm, I've got other jobs like paying bills. Like I just want to yeah. do this, whatever just, it, it was in your heart. You really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like what is going to drive a, a young person to want to do this or anybody to want to do anything. It's the pleasure that you're going to derive from knowing that you are moving closer to the dreams. Totally. And it's very important to understand that in those early years or the early time that you're putting in, the return on investment you're getting is experience. And that is invaluable beyond words. That is well absolutely said. everything. That is going to yeah. craft exactly who you are, how you identify yourself and the kind of contribution you're able to make on the world is going to be based on the experience that you get from grinding at that because you love it more than anything. Mm -hmm. And eventually it's going to pay you back. And so um, what happened to me is, you know, did super low budget gigs for years, but got to go to some of the dopest parties, got to spin some incredibly amazing parties, got to open for some really big names um, my favorite DJ in the world for anybody who's in a, um, who's a fan of house music is Mark Farina, pretty, fa pretty famous dude. He, uh, has the mushroom jazz series. He's a really awesome dude. And I remember, uh, when I first got to open for him, I mean, he was, he was, he was my personal Jesus in music. 
<laughs> I mean, and I got to open for this dude and, and that was, that was the, the best thing that could have ever possibly happened to me. When you start making strides, uh, big moves like that are happening, it starts to build your confidence, it builds your reputation, and it builds your value to which you can then turn into a monetized endeavor if you wish to do so. Because if you can start making enough big impressions to where you can open up for big guys like that, in my case as a DJ, then it means that you definitely are capable of providing a valuable, uh, worthwhile service in exchange for all that time you put in. People will pay good money for that. You can Absolutely. ask a good price, deliver a good product. And that is what brought me on the just the DJ business side of things we're talking about here. Um, I was able to take all that professional experience in those environments. I was able to take my uh, experience that I had gained and my understanding of how business and customer service works from my other adjacent jobs mm -hmm. that I had doing things I didn't necessarily have passion for, learned a lot of skill sets from those and was able to combine all of those skills into my own service where I am my own boss to deliver the best possible experience for my clients looking for a really phenomenal DJ service for their high value, high ticket um, application, their events, such as a wedding. And I think before you go on, I want to make sure that that's really clear. What you just said is so sure. important that we're, we're always doing these extra things, especially when you're starting out, no matter what your dream is, if it's still just your side hustle, you have to work another job. And oftentimes we don't necessarily like those jobs, but I love right. that you took the perspective of what can I learn from this other job? How can I use that to my advantage to build something for myself later? And the fact that you saw that and started to kind of compile those lessons and then later take them and put them into your own business, that is so important instead of just being miserable in this job that obviously you don't want to do. Obviously working at Safeway or whatever your other numerous jobs were was not the dream but it's a part of it. And if you don't take advantage and learn from that, you're wasting your time. Yes. Um, even though it may be a means to an end financially, which it certainly is because that's really the only reason you're doing it is to chase paper and support yourself and support your passion. The fact of the matter is there, depending on how you look at it, there's always a lot to learn from every experience, whether it's a uh, professional experience, whether it's a, a personal experience that you had that maybe went south somewhere along the way. The fact of the matter is any sort of hardships, difficulties, uncomfortable spots you're able to work through shape you and empower you to be a stronger totally. person, totally. which will absolutely without question serve you unequivocally towards being the best version possible of yourself when you actually do get to the promised land of what it is you ultimately really want to do. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we had to, we had to make that super clear because that was a little nugget of gold. So continue on with turning your dream into an actual business venture. In Phoenix, when I was doing these multiple endeavors at the same time and building these skill sets and just clocking experience with, uh, with gigs and sort of uh, professional knowledge of the way the world works in terms of customer service and uh, everything like that, I knew inherently that because I had grown up there the majority of my life, it just wasn't where I wanted to spend my life. You know, there's, there's also that question that always arises within each of us is where do we want to be? Like physically, geographically, where do we want to be? A lot of people aren't necessarily happy with where they necessarily are going to grow up and want to spend their whole life there. 
the more you have experiences, the more you begin to develop like a palette for life. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you broaden your range of taste. And so you realize, oh, there's so much more out there than you initially thought. And while that sounds cliche, the fact of the matter is that is absolutely going to be a revelation that comes to you. The more you get your hands on other things, you can see just how much possibility there is. So eventually a question will beckon to just about everyone. Where do I want to be? And uh, that can be a very difficult question to answer. And some people may not even be willing to attempt to answer a question like that. I was very much turned on to and experiencing the benefits of the law of attraction. That became the whole uh, mantra for my life, essentially, was just knowing that what you give is what you get. What you put out there is what you create. Um, you manifest and create and design your own life. Whether or not you're aware of it, whether or not you quote unquote, drink the Kool-Aid, whatever. The fact of the matter is your life is by design, regardless of how amazing or how shitty it is. There are totally outside agree. circumstances that occur that feel like they disempower you, but the fact of the matter is they are being attracted to you. Mm -hmm. So if there is a large sum of misfortune, bad luck, and uh, frustration coming your way, you kind of need to be able to to hit the brakes and step back and zoom out and take a look at the bigger picture because it's really easy to get caught up in the microcosms of all the little stresses that life right. can throw at you. Right. And when you're able to zoom out and you're able to take a, a big picture at things, a, a look at the big picture, that's when you're able to sort of gain a little bit of a better sense of eventually where it is you want to be. So in my personal case, I didn't know specifically where I wanted to live geographically, but I knew the way I wanted to live. And I knew the kind of elements I wanted my life to have. So I started with just visualizing fiercely exactly all the components and the ingredients of what I wanted my life to look like. I didn't want to be in the desert anymore. I didn't want to be in 115 degree heat in July. I was sick and tired of that. That's terrible. Yeah. I don't blame uh, you. I mean, it's not like that every day, but I mean, it, it gets hot as shit. <laughs> Yeah, so I wanted to be somewhere that was away from the desert. I knew I liked the forest. I was just a big fan of the forest. I like fresh air. I like clean water. I like bears and squirrels and tree-hugging hippie shit. Um, <laughs> so you shocking, really you ended up in Lake Tahoe with those qualifiers. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're a tree hugger, a cactus ain't going to do it for you. Ooh, just no, no. try it once. <laughs> You'll see what happens. Not recommended. <laughs> I knew I wanted that. I knew that my family that uh, was really deeply rooted in Phoenix and had no intention of going anywhere, I didn't want to be so far away from them that I couldn't really pay them a reasonable visit. And so I had to be within, um, I didn't want to be completely across the country. So ideally west of the Mississippi. Also around that time, I had discovered snowboarding, okay? Now this was very uh, interesting in the way that it came up. So I want to tie this into what I mentioned a moment ago about zooming out and taking a look at the big picture. How do you do that? Sometimes people have no idea, dude, I don't even know how to, to take my focus away from. Right. We get really caught up in the little things that are going on right now. And especially if, if life feels stressful or overwhelming or you feel stuck in some way, zooming out is like, what do you mean? But I have this going on. How can I even get past that? Right. Yeah, it's, it's an easier said than done thing. And there's certainly multiple really? means of getting there. But for each individual, it's very unique. And a lot of folks just don't know how to do that. The best way to do it is to simply step outside of your comfort zone. 
because there's stuff out there for you to discover, guaranteed. And I love that. Uh, in, in my case, what happened was my best friend, whom I had uh, made acquaintances with back in 2008, and we very, very quickly had become close friends and best friends because of a, a shared love of music, specifically the band Jamiroquai, if mm. any of you are familiar with Jamiroquai. Yes. That's our jam, old school, 1997, Traveling Without Moving. Check out that album. That will definitely have a really groovy impact on your life. Total side note. Um, <laughs> anyway, we got to talking about music. We met each other at a, at a party. I just went to a friend's barbecue. He was the next door neighbor of the friend. We started talking about music. We're like, dude, got to hang out. Got to do this, blah, blah, blah. Came friends. Like a stepbrothers moment. Like, did we just become best totally. friends? <laughs> oh my God. As soon as Jamiroquai came up, his wife at the time got kind of jealous of how much he was into uh, talking to me instead of talking to her. Oh my God. <laughs> she was like, wow, you really like that Dion guy. He's like, yeah, he's pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we, we, uh, we just started hanging out. We just wanted to be around each other. We just enjoyed each other's company. Same kind of vibe. Uh, right. Really actually, um, you know, the, the means by which we were able to develop such a fast conduit of connection was through a love of shared art. So if you have a love of art of any kind, whether it's music or culinary or painting, anything, whatever it is, there's people out there that really dig that vibe. Totally. And if you're a participating member of that community, which is a very good start to do is to reach out, find out who locally is into the same kind of stuff you are, because I guarantee you're going to make a batch of really awesome friends that way that is going to start your journey of pulling away from whatever sort of rut you feel stuck in that that's is a great perfect. advice um that's how we connected and then he knew i was a dj and he was like okay i want to check out obviously your gig so uh he checked out a couple of my gigs brought his wife along and their friends and so now the social circle instantly is starting to grow and we're all grooving and schmoozing and boozing and having a great time and um, really developing a really uh, deep, solid connection. And when you feel very uh, at home and at peace with these new people through that shared common denominator of arts, uh, your vibe is going to become very attractive. You're mm -hmm. going to become very positive because your inner light, the thing that makes your heart sing, is going to shine brightly. It's going to be very, uh, very fueled with lots of air and lots of tinder and everything is just going to burn brightly. And so when that happens, get ready because awesome stuff is going to start flying at you like, like a magnet. So that's what happened with us. And so he was hanging out with me for an entire summer and then wintertime rolled around and uh, he had periodically brought up snowboarding. Now, when I grew up, I did not do any sports at all, period. The only physical thing I ever did is I would go to the gym when I was in high school and work out, but I was kind of a big kid. I was kind of husky. I was a bit overweight, uh, and I was never physical at all. When I was a little kid, all I ever did is play video games. I was an Xbox athlete. I was not an actual <laughs> athletic. So this guy tells me he's singing the praises of snowboarding, and I'm like, okay, whatever, okay, whatever, okay, whatever, but he won't shut up. He just refuses to shut up about it. So finally one day, he says, I, you know, I insist on taking you boarding and I go, all right, fine. Screw it. I'll do it. I'll just, whatever. I'll, I'll just step out I'll of your it. comfort zone. I like it. I'll let it happen. That's exactly what I did. I stepped out of my comfort zone. Let me tell you how uncomfortable it was. 
Well, I think anyone that's learned how to snowboard, especially when you're not athletic, can relate to this yep. for sure. <laughs> on my very first day, um, I got the absolute living snot beat out of me by snowboarding. Um, I could barely stand up. I could barely go six inches without catching an edge. And I was just getting the crap kicked out of me, which by the way, sounds right. I was, I was in Flagstaff Snow Bowl, which is, you know, for Arizona, it's a decent mountain. If you're sure. you know, a Tahoe or, a, you know, Rockies guy, it's, it's a bit substandard, but it's good for what it is. Uh, well, I mean, I, I did a couple laps, but I remember my first lap took me almost an hour to get down. <laughs> I mean, this is a lap that today would take me maybe 10 seconds. Yeah. You know, it took me an, an hour. I mean, that's everything with life learning. You got to start. Yeah. And uh, I got to the bottom of the run uh, and I remember screaming at the top of my lungs at him. I'm like, I hate fucking powder. Powder sucks. He's like, dude, keep your voice down. People are going to think you're crazy. I'm like, I don't give a shit. This sucks. <laughs> try it again, man. And I was getting stubborn. I'm like, all right, I'll try it again. I get about three hours deep. At the end of it, I'm throwing my snowboard across like the lot. And I'm just like, this is so stupid. I hate this so much. It was so exhausting. This was, there was nothing fun about it at all. I was just chastising it up and down, right? So not comfortable at all. However, what I did is I had such an incredibly shitty experience that I realized on the drive home that it really can't get any worse than this. So therefore, I, I have to try it again because there's something people like about this that I didn't see, but it can't possibly be any worse than this. Good so perspective. yeah, that's how I looked at it. And I, and I just, even though it was miserable, I knew if I kept pushing on something was waiting for me at the end of that rainbow with jagged edges and sharp <laughs> knives and it was a horrible, <laughs> brutal rainbow, but it was a rainbow, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and lo and behold, a, a whole season goes by and I basically was going up uh, two to three days a week. I was just obsessed beyond words. Awesome. So now you're super into snowboarding. You want to live in a place that's got trees and bears and squirrels and all the things. Yeah. Enter Tahoe. And that's the perfect location. I kind of have like the heart of a teacher. I love to teach people yeah. things. I always like to facilitate. That's always been a thing of mine. So I'm like, I want to learn this enough to where I can use the natural talent of being a teacher to do this. So that stepping out of the box, uh, uncomfortable experience revealed uh, an epiphany to me of something that I felt a calling to do in life. So yeah. that became the nucleus of what I put in the recipe of my personal law of attraction. Nice. So I did, I did that. I remember I was thinking about, like you said, squirrels, bears, clean air, mountains, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. This is the kind of environment I want to live in. I wanted to be somewhat near San Francisco because at the time the music scene, I really was appealed to So I wanted to be near that and not too far from Phoenix. That's all I knew. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I put all those thoughts together, Lake Tahoe this, Lake Tahoe that, bam, 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 start popping up everywhere in my life like, mm. like flashing That's lights. how it happens, though. It's so funny, like, especially when you put yourself in that space. You're visualizing what you want. You don't quite know what it is yet, but you just right. kind of released it into the universe and just kept going with what you were doing. And then it starts showing up for you. Yes. So yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the magic of it. And, mm -hmm. and um, so that all happened. So of course, I start to listen because I'd already kind of become a bit of a student of law of attraction. And so I'm like, okay, I got to check this out. So then which mountain do I work at or whatever? I saw this picture of a, of a skier on a pow day slashing Cal Trail with Lake Tahoe in the background. 
uh, that beautiful blue lake, just brilliant bluebird pow day. And I immediately said, that's it. That's exactly where I want to work. So um, I called up the place. I applied online. I did a phone interview, everything. They told me what base I was going to be working out of, what neighborhood I'd be working out of, all that stuff. I get on Craigslist. I start looking for a place to live. I put down a deposit uh, all by myself. I didn't know a soul out there. And I pack up everything to my name uh, and I ship off to Tahoe. And my friends in Phoenix, half of them were like, Dion, you're crazy. What are you thinking? And the half that know me better were like, power to your brother. Clearly, this is calling you. This is where, you, where you're meant to be. Uh, tell us all about it. We're so happy for you. So I drive all the way there. 750 miles. And I remember very specifically when I was driving through uh, Highway 50 from Carson City westbound towards Cave Rock. And the very first time I saw the lake blossom in front of me as the mountains parted ways, the lake blossomed like a lotus flower. It was November 5th, 2011. Funny enough, that same day, November 5th, was when I was 16 years old, I was involved in a really bad car accident that should have killed me. And I walked away without a scratch. And wow. I, know, I know I'm digressing a little bit from the story, but here's, here's kind of just a little bit of poetry of the universe, because this is a really important thing to how I look at life, is that happened. And I remember when I got out of the car that day, I was all by myself. I got T-boned making a left-hand turn at intersection with somebody that ran red light and hit me at like 65. Uh, destroyed the car. The paramedics show up. They look at the car and they tell me, kid, you shouldn't be alive. You shouldn't be alive. And you're walking away with, with glass in your hair and airbag burns and maybe like a little tiny scratch on your face. You shouldn't even be alive. This doesn't make any sense. It's your lucky day, kid. You're meant to be here, right? November 5th, right? And then November 5th, 2011, I show up in Lake Tahoe. Just kind of, I didn't even plan that. It's just kind of the way it happened. And it, mm -hmm. it, it, Did that I occur that to you like as you were driving and saw... Lake Tahoe and just like, whoa, full circle. Uh, yes, it, it did kind of, I think later that night. But in that moment when I saw the lake in the middle of the day and it uh, blossomed before me, I immediately started bawling, crying, the hardest I've ever cried in my life, mm -hmm. biggest smile you've ever seen on my face. I had finally, and I was 27 at the time, that at the age of 27, I finally made it home. Oh, that's beautiful. It's just a moment like you knew this is where I'm meant to be. It was it. Uh, all the indicators of everything I described in the story prior, all of it culminated to bring me to that spot on that day to show me this is what you're meant to be here for. This is your place. Oh, and that's beautiful. That moment that I just described what I remember I saw the lake on a brilliant bluebird day. So it had that really deep, rich cobalt blue color, mm -hmm. a brilliant sapphire cobalt. I mean, it's just such a, a amazing shade of blue and it immediately became my favorite color. And so I mm. knew that I wanted to plant my flag and dig my roots in Tahoe and do the snowboarding thing. But I also wanted to keep doing the DJ thing so I formed my DJ business in Tahoe, and I realized that I was brought there by being true to my heart, true to my intuition, really. And I saw that blue color. So I named my company True Blue Productions after that moment I just described to you. That's amazing. I love that. I did not know that part of the story. That's really cool. It makes so much sense why it's named that. That's amazing.
that's it. And that's so uh, cool. it never would have happened if I hadn't let it happen. And just trusted your intuition and the little guidance that you kept receiving. And sometimes we get those and we don't realize that it's guidance because it's not always you're not always being pushed towards what you're supposed to be doing in a nice way. Sometimes it's in really tough lessons or tragedies or yep. a it can come in so many different ways, but when you see it and you start to listen to it and then it all comes together the way it's meant to, that's yes. the magic. I love that. Life does have a tendency of pushing you a certain way. If you're feeling very uncomfortable about what's going on in your life, personally, professionally, or whatever, there's a reason why you feel uncomfortable about it. Mm -hmm. Some people are okay with totally having a, a, a pretty structured, we'll call it status quo, nine to five life. That's, that's fine. Uh, and those roles that those folks have serve a very important service in society. We, we yeah, need absolutely. that to keep the cogs turning, but, but that's not what everybody's, if you want to call it destiny, calling, whatever, that's not what everybody's is. So if you feel that it's deeply against the grain just know that there's a beautiful reason why it feels that way and you need to let the signs show themselves to take you to your version of your true blue. That's such a good message. And often you see everyone around you doing their nine to five and maybe that makes them happy. This is, this is kind of what happened for me is everyone around me is doing that, but I didn't feel settled in it. There was something else calling me and I couldn't place it because I didn't see it around me. And so right. once I discovered what it was, and then I surround myself with more people who are doing that, it just kind of shows more evidence that this exists. There's another way to live your life, and that's totally okay. Correct. That's really important. Yes. What is something that you currently have in your life now that maybe think back to five or 10 years ago you didn't have and you were really, really wishing for or trying to manifest in your life? My ability to attract opportunity. Uh, a lot of times you just wish for, wish for something good to come into your life. The more I practice these methods, the clearer my consciousness is so that my vibration can be raised. These practices have specifically enabled me to be very attractive and radiant towards manifesting good opportunities for myself. Yeah. So yeah, just bringing in business, bringing in people that'll reach out like you, actually, this is a perfect example. Like being on this podcast, right? Right now, my vibe feels the strongest and most vibrant it ever has. So lo and behold, and I don't believe in coincidence whatsoever, Leslie's like, hey, come on my podcast, direct your vibe, talk about vibrations. Cool, because I'm really vibing right now. In life. Perfect. I must have <laughs> known. I must have known. I love that. That is a yeah. great answer. I love that so much. Um, okay, final question. What advice do you have to someone who has that calling to be an entrepreneur and isn't sure where to start? Literally the exact same thing you told me right when we got on this call, which is just start. That's it. Yep. Uh, so don't anticipate that the beginning of your business is going to look exactly like what you imagine the business eventually will become. Right. You have to begin the journey and it's okay for it to be imperfect because the fact of the matter is you just have to begin the process of growing it. Because what's going to happen is what you see in your mind, what you're wishing for, the fantasy of what that business is going to be is where you will eventually get to. It's never how it starts. That's never what it looks like at the beginning. So true. But you just have to start and take the messy action. It doesn't always look pretty, but I think it's important to know to do that because 
that is often the parts of a business that you don't see or any mm -hmm. creative endeavor. It's, it often looks like an overnight success, but you don't see the years and years of hard work that someone put in or the other jobs that they perhaps had while they were starting that endeavor. So couldn't agree right. with you more. It's all about just going for it, listening to your intuition, take the messy action. Yeah. And also, you know, be humble about the beginning of it too. I mean, yes. having hunger and having ambition is great. That is absolutely what's going to drive you to the finish line. Be, be realistic, be humble, be willing to learn from your mistakes. If you're trying to put together your foundation and your basis, um, for, for growing this business or for beginning, uh, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to be a bit conservative. I mean, I think everybody should be ambitious and be uh, aggressive towards pursuing their goals, but make sure that you are investing your resources, whether that's money, whether that's time, whether that's energy. I guess it gets a little bit tricky there because you go, well, you just want to start. You don't want to be scared to start. But at the same time, um, you, what you want to do is be able to kind of scale, right? So I, I'll, I'll just give you an example of what I did for my business, okay? Please. I knew when I, when I did my business, when I did my DJ business, I knew what I wanted it to look and sound like. I wanted it to have really big stage presence, really awesome. Like I do all these lighting trusses and all this cool stuff, television displays, uh, dynamic wall wash lighting. That's all on like Bluetooth wireless stuff. I mean, it's, it's really cool, really kind of, you know, awesome 21st century technology I'm bringing to weddings. I knew how spectacular I wanted that to look. Um, I could have been like, well, I just want to go right for that. So I'm going to take out like a bunch of loans and really stress myself out financially and do all that to try to make it look like that and execute that, that level of performance right out the gate. Well, what I decided to do instead is I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take, I'm going to take just a very minimal version of that setup that if I am successful at delivering a good product, getting good reviews, um, developing relationships with other vendors and venues and whatnot, I'm going to attract more business into my life. I'm going to have more experience at executing my job better, which is going to give me more business. And then I can just in, reinvest in myself and in that business to grow it to that spot without putting myself under some great deal of strain to try to make it look like that right out the gate. I wanted to scale it up. It was right. a little humbling. Cause I was like, I kind of knew how badass I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, I could kind of do it right out the gate, but I was like, you know what? Let me just see if I actually have what it takes to be, to deserve that, to be able to deliver that. And, um, I did it in that way and I'm, I'm a numbers guy. So I did it in a way that was just uh, financially scalable. And then it's kind of like, yeah, you're able to deliver that level of impeccable service, even if your product doesn't necessarily look like that. I'm selling people on me because I'm in charge of their night. I think that's really good advice because I get really excited and always wanting to push people to follow their dreams and do things. But I think that's important to kind of bring it back down a little bit to like, okay, be reasonable about what you're going for. And yes, start messy and just take action, yeah. but also don't put yourself in debt and burn the candle at both ends because you want it to be this. Like you can grow to that and know that you'll get there. Start with a, a, a basic tool set and get really fucking good at using those tools. Yeah. Become masters of those tools. Grow that tool set, 
grow your product, grow your service, so that by the time you're there, not only did your business scaled up, your skills scaled up. Mm -hmm. And your, your confidence ability. in what you're offering. Absolutely. And you know, even though I feel like I'm at an absolute peak of my life personally and professionally, um, of course, there's still always something to reach for, right? And so what I've realized is that in my case, I've, I've taken a, a pretty tremendous amount of time away from the creative side and I've been more business focused. Uh, I really wanted to establish that, mm -hmm. um, which has come at the cost, the cost I was willing to pay of being creatively starved. For example, I had a lot of cool kind of fun, funky projects like that podcast I was telling you about. Yeah. It's called uh, Forecast, 4CAST. Uh, you can go to snowboardmusic.com. That's the website. It's basically a snowboard themed house music podcast. In a nutshell, what it is, is if you're a snowboarder, one of the coolest things about snowboarding is music. It's kind of like snowboarding and music is like peanut butter and jelly. Mm -hmm. um, tastes really good together, right? So mm -hmm. what I did is I created podcasts that specifically were aimed at uh, providing a certain vibe and energy level based on what it is you're searching for, how you're feeling for that hour. When I was doing that, I wasn't as business focused. I stepped mm -hmm. away from that, focused on the business, started taking care of myself better in that in that way. Right. And now I want to come back to doing more of the creative side. So yeah. whether you're deep in the creation, you're deep in the art or you're deep in business entrepreneurship, whatever, you got to make sure you you're, you're feeding both flames at the same time. Totally. You don't want to starve yourself out completely from one or the other. You want to feel like you've got a good balance because that's, that's all of life. It's what Mr. Miyagi said in the karate kid balance makes life better. Totally. And it's true. So it is true. I love that. Make sure, make sure you're watering uh, your whole garden. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Direct Your Vibe podcast. If you found it as inspiring as I did, please share the episode with a friend, screenshot it, tag me in your Instagram stories, or leave a review on iTunes. Seriously, all of these actions really help to spread this message. Also, if you're in need of an incredible DJ for your next event or wedding, contact Dion at True Blue Productions immediately. I would recommend his services 10 times over. Thanks again for listening, friends. Keep your vibes high, and we'll talk soon. <laughs>